Welcome to the GrassCast, the host of your show, Quab and Sean. Game on. Welcome to the GrassCast, a show about games, life, and everything in between. I'm Sean. I'm Quab. And today we have our guest, uh, Sherry Wheeler. Uh, Sherry is a developer in the community. I met her through HackForge. Um, she has a game development company um, called Silver Key Games. Yep. And um, yeah, so uh, welcome to the show, Sherry. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for yeah. being on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know you that well, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the show. But we before we get too deep into it, we have to start the show the way we start every show. Yeah, we uh, we started this thing where we play papers paper scissors rock against each other and trying to do it in a audio format has been a challenge but i'll I'll still play along i mean it's been working for you you've won every single game since uh we've been doing this remote setting Uh uh okay i i i it's fine there's asterisks next to all your wins but that's fine uh okay Okay. we'll see we'll see how this one goes we'll see how this one ready (laughs) all right all right okay one One. oh we're doing the (laughs) mississauga yeah we're still doing mississaugas okay one Mississauga, two Mississauga, three Mississauga, scissors. Yay! Usually we don't go three ways, but that was interesting. So yeah. you both beat me. That's yeah, great. yeah, that's great. You're the first guest to join, Jerry. Hey. Yeah, you're on the board. twice now, so great. That's awesome. You're on the board. It's all good. Um, so... Uh, Sherry, uh, first question we kind of like to ask is what is the first game that it doesn't have to be the first game you played because you might not remember, but like, what's the first game you remember playing that had like a, you know, impact on your life? Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, my dad brought home a 486 DOS computer and wow. he okay. would, um, he would go on these like BBS systems and download a bunch of shareware. Okay. And some of the oldest games I remember playing were Apogee games like Commander Keen, yes. uh, Comic, some of the original Duke Nukem games <laughs> and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's, I think that's the coolest answer we had to that question so far. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> um, wow. I don't know if I've, I, rem- I vaguely remember Commander Keen. Like I, I know of the mythology of Commander Keen, but I don't, have vivid memories playing it like <laughs> yeah tell, tell us about it because yeah i think I, it was like a kid with a helmet and like a ray yeah. gun okay. there, was, there was a a kid who um his like his babysitter was watching him and he in the middle of the night he gets abducted by aliens and he's trying to like get back home and okay. it's it's funny to talk about this because not that long ago i installed DOSBox on my computer and so it's a dos emulator and you can oh, run wow. all those all those old games and I was I was getting back into those games now as mm-hmm. an adult yes. and first of all the trip down memory lane was mind-blowing but second <laughs> of all like how hard those games were mm. compared to now yeah. where like back then they just wanted to kill you and like <laughs> give you game over and you put in your high score right. and you're like well okay I guess I'm starting over at the beginning uh-huh. And now when you play games, it's very handholdy and they don't want you to, yeah. they don't want you to get game over ever. So I was, I was kind of 
excited to have my kids try them but then i was like wait a minute oh. these are really hard <laughs> okay okay <laughs> and, I, and i thought that as an adult i could go back and like beat the games that i never beat mm -hmm. as a kid because i was like oh i'm gonna finally finish commander yeah. king and yeah. like all that stuff and i was like wait a minute i don't have the time or the patience to grind <laughs> through these really hard games anymore yeah my your your version of adulthood is completely different it's yeah. like oh i'm gonna have all the time to play all the games and yeah. i'm gonna have the reflexes right <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Funny. yeah oh, we've wow. talked about that previously in the show just like that the hand-holding nature of games now compared yeah. to then I, I don't know it's maybe a combination of like yeah games were a lot harder to develop then so it's kind of like let's just kill them fast and get it, yeah. get it over with but yeah yeah i think it was like a bang for your buck thing well maybe not so much with freeware but i at least for like nes and like consoles where the cartridge i mean it probably was around the same dollars but then you convert it with like uh inflation and it was like super expensive everything was expensive yeah. so you might get like one game some some kids might get one game a year so yeah. make it make it hard <laughs> i think i think games were aimed to be a challenge back yeah. then but now yeah. they're aiming at an experience and mm. if if you die and you get game over the experience ends so they kind of want you to to reach the end to experience the whole journey Whereas back then it was like, let's make a challenge and see how good you right. are. <laughs> yeah. And Interesting. It, and it might even be a technology thing. Like, I don't know, modern games today, it seems like they can save wherever you are, whatever your progress yeah. is pretty easy. Yeah. But I remember, did you, did you guys ever play um, uh, Mega Man on NES? Yeah. I didn't, but I'm I'm familiar with it. <laughs> oh, okay, so NES, so Mega Man on NES, like you, because there was like eight different bosses, you could do them in any order you wanted, and once you defeated them, like that was like a certain state, you'd get their weapon or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I don't know, they didn't really have memory, of, so mm -hmm. you, know, you shut down your NES, and oh, you, cool. if you didn't like. But what was really cool about Mega Man is like they there was like this screen that was like this grid of like. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. It was like kind of like um like uh, what do you call it? Like a battle battleship grid where there was like numbers yeah. and letters, I think. And like okay. on certain numbers and letters, there would be dots. So each one of those, it was essentially like a code that I guess okay. corresponded with the save state of like you defeated these three bosses, and this is some random kind of unique oh, code. Cool. So you hmm. could go back and enter it, and then it would kind of load your state, and that's all just this, like static memory oh, without. Mate. Yeah. Oh, right. So I do remember game. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, now on on Switch, you can play those old NES games on the Virtual Console, and you uh, can snapshot any mm, moment in time and yeah. save it. So it's funny because I, I I went back to Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which was the hardest game I've yeah. ever played. Okay. I must have thrown a million controllers across the room playing <gasps> that as a kid. Yeah. But what now, game is this? <laughs> no, I've never heard of it. But, but now, as an adult, I can be like, okay, I made it farther than I've ever been. Take a <laughs> take a snapshot, save it, come back hmm. later. <laughs> it's kind of right. nice, actually. Yeah, yeah I think it, it was unforgiving. You get, I think, like two hits. Basically, you yeah. lose your armor, and then you're running around naked, and the next yeah. hit, you're dead. And it's <laughs> yeah. What? What was this yeah. game? I never even heard of it. Super wow. Ghosts and Ghosts. Oh yeah, it was great. Um, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say about the uh, the code thing. I remember, yeah, there were some games where like, yeah, you punch in a code to get to a, a level where you left off, right? And I remember 
just going through and trying like trying to brute force yep. hack yep. the codes yep. to get to the next <laughs> levels. Yeah, I, rem- I remember that. Uh, Batman. Yeah. There's a Batman game where. I oh wow! Games. Yeah, I remember just having like sheets and sheets of like computer paper with all these <laughs> random codes that are completely useless. Oh uh, god! Yeah, internet struggles. Yeah, I think I tried to brute force it for like five minutes, and I was like, nah, nah. <laughs> the math doesn't work out (laughs) they they used to give you a printout of codes on like a burgundy piece of paper with black ink because they didn't want you to photocopy it and that was like that that was your key to prove that you had not like bootlegged the game so we 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 had this ninja turtles game that had that so every time you you booted up the game you had to find like row 20 column 15 find the code on this burgundy sheet enter it in and prove that you had a legit copy of the game oh what's what system was yeah, this for i've never heard of oh, that it was, was a computer game yeah yeah, yeah i had a game like that i think it was back to the future or something where yeah and i lost the sheet and i just had to like <laughs> and i failed half the time so yeah that was it hasn't even been 10 minutes and i've learned so many new things this is a great episode <laughs> um so what's uh so the order what's the game you played the most recently or um like the last game you played oh man um the pandemic has been like mm-hmm. a re- a renaissance for my solo gaming because okay. ev- ever since i had kids i i had my yeah. oldest eight years ago and oh, wow. since since then my time for solo gaming dropped to like almost zero and mm-hmm. most of my gaming was co-op games with my husband uh-huh. and then the pandemic hit and it's like everyone's stressed you need some extra downtime you're not going anywhere so i got back into solo games and this year i've played two games and i've put like hundreds of hours <laughs> into these games and i have i have not been this like into solo games for so long probably probably not since like bioshock one maybe but i played um the long dark this summer which is uh by a company called hinterland and it's set in northern canada and you you're in a plane crash and there's a a weird electromagnetic event that kills all the electricity Mm. so you're lost in the wilderness and you have to find food water you have to find shelter you have to keep your body temperature up and Mm -hmm. you have to sleep at certain periods of time and everything is this snowy wilderness you find like an occasional cabin or a cave or a shelter and it's very exploration and survival based and there's a a sandbox mode that just throws you in the wilderness and when you die it's game over and there's a story mode where you actually go through and discover what has happened and who the survivors are. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it, it like it hit the sweet spot of exploration and mm-hmm. story and survival, which was kind of my my like perfect combo of game. And I played so much of The Long Dark. And it's funny because I, I got it on sale during the Steam summer sale and I paid like $9 for it. And, mm-hmm. and I've gotten, I think I've, I think I've put like 200 hours in. So I, wow. it's like pennies per hour of entertainment. <laughs> it's the most, the cheapest source of entertainment, but um, it's made by a Canadian company and it's really great. And then, mm. so I played that like almost just to death and I've mm-hmm. been waiting for the next uh, solo episode to come out. And then while I was waiting around, I started playing Subnautica. 
which, which was hard. also on sale on uh, I think the Steam Fall Sale maybe, mm-hmm. and that's almost the same game where you're just you're dropped in this wilderness you explore you survive you figure out what happened here and again it just like it was breathtaking how much fun i've had with this game my husband Mm -hmm. played subnautica as well both of us uh beat the game and we're eagerly looking forward to the the sequel that's coming out so that has just been just a wonderful experience (laughs) and like Yes, I'm trapped at home in a uh, pandemic. I can't go anywhere, but hey, I'm on an alien water planet. So it's awesome. Uh, yeah, so many things I was thinking of when we were talking about that. Um, so one of the things we, that you talked about that we've touched on a few times in these episodes, um, one of the things I was talking about previously was that, like, I don't know, like, I usually like to play games that don't have like I don't want to suffer when I play a game, you know, like I, I, especially in a pandemic setting, like I'd rather just like be Spider-Man and, and swing around and, and live a fantastical yeah. life and just like, you know, like scavenge for food or stuff. But yeah, it sounds like, sounds like a really interesting game. I, I need to check that out. Um, yeah. Another thing that I thought was um, I'm glad to know that up until like two kids, you can still have a fun video game life like, the third kid that kills it like okay that's it's true <laughs> it's true the, the, the third one is much harder than the the first two because now the kids outnumber the adults so. oh <laughs> yeah yeah that's a problem i see tip the skills i wonder if we could i don't know because I, I guess the dream would be like the older ones would raise the younger ones at a certain point <laughs> <laughs> or not i don't know if you if you want lord of the flies i guess yeah yeah i mean <laughs> On <laughs> no i i don't know <laughs> yeah it, it's fun because my my kids are actually starting to get into games more so oh, we're okay. starting to hit that like dream zone where the kids can right. can play um video games with us and they can play board games with us and mm. they're actually engaging in the strategy and understanding what's going on it's not just mom and dad saying okay roll the dice move this number of spaces Mm. it's now like we um we started playing this board game as a family called mice and mystics and it's a like a role-playing um game where you each person has a a character who's a human turned into a mouse and you you have your powers and you you all work together to save the kingdom and and i was kind of shocked because just in the last year my oldest who's eight um he's turning nine next month he just in the last year he he went from okay tell me what to do next to now he's pointing out like oh mom mm-hmm. you missed that rule don't forget you have a plus one on that weapon and like Whoa. he's he's actually like having strategies and and understanding what he's doing on a deeper level and it's mm-hmm. it's really fun now so mm-hmm. um that's really great and the kids are into like um minecraft and uh Mm. and stuff like that so we've been playing a lot of games on the switch together it's really great that's great yeah i'll have to check out mice mice mystics mice Mice and mystics mice and mystics yeah don't worry i'll be in the show notes (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) um so it sounds like it but i just want to ask do you consider yourself a gamer and like what do you think about the title gamer and like gaming culture and things like that like what's your what's your view on that uh, yeah, I think I, I, I would call myself a gamer in the sense that games are a big part of my my life, a big part of my hobbies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't 
I don't know if I identify so much with the the culture. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really join like gamer communities. I don't really do mm-hmm. any multiplayer games really. Mm-hmm. Um but in the sense that, you know, if I was to list who is Sherry, mm-hmm. gamer would definitely be on the list for sure. Interesting. Yeah. How how do you think games have shaped or impacted your life? Um I think for me, I, I'm naturally an introvert and games provide this, this nice common ground to socialize with other people. And like right back to my teen years when we were all in someone's basement playing GoldenEye or, Mm. you know, um, sitting around playing a board game, it provides this instant, like, Hey, who wants to get together and play X, Y, Z. And it provides a common ground for social connections with other people. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, something that I very much enjoy with my husband. He and I mm-hmm. have similar tastes in games. So we have found a lot of cooperative games on, on um, like on consoles, as well mm-hmm. as board games that provide like a shared hobby that we can enjoy together. So I think mm-hmm. it it's nice. For me, it's it's social to some extent, but it's also... You know, something I enjoy by myself. I play solo games too, and mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think it it's nice. It just it provides a hobby that you can connect with other people about, even if it's just like this, sitting around and talking about it. Right. Oh man, that's lovely. That was a very good answer. Thank <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, this this leads perfectly into my next question. Uh, you mentioned GoldenEye, so um, sounds like you've had a few land parties. Uh, what? Do you, have, do you have a favorite land party moment that you can remember? Um, yeah, we did. We we've done a lot of like couch co-op console mm-hmm. games, like mm. you know, like the the Golden Eyes and the Mario Parties and that kind of thing. Um, but some of my most fun moments, which is it's kind of funny because when I was in high school, somebody loaded Duke Nukem 3D onto the <laughs> computer lab. The, oh, computer, nice. the computers in the computer lab and yeah. we were all we we would all finish our assignment for that period of class and then we'd have like 10 15 minutes le- left and we'd just all be blowing each other up in duke nukem for the last like 15 minutes and then and then one day my my computer teacher replaced all the duke 3d.exe files with <laughs> something that would message him to tell him oh, who wow. who clicked on it. Oh so, wow. So there was one time where he like he asked like six of us to stay after class and we were like, uh oh, what what happened? And then he was like, so I found Duke on the on the computers and and we were all like, you know, chagrined, right? Uh oh, we're in trouble. And then he like blindsided us by saying, So that's a pretty cool game. Did you know that there's a level editor that you can build your own levels with? What? And we were like, oh, yeah. And so for that class, he wanted everyone to do a big end of semester project. And he said, since you guys all like Duke, do you want to make your own levels as your end of end of class project? So there was three of us. Each of us built a level, linked them together in a cohesive story we had like a bunch of heavy metal music that we <laughs> tied in as the background music. And we made a box for it with all the box art and the instruction manual. It was awesome. 
that that is insane. Your life is a movie. That is not how that usually goes. But that, that funny. He was just like, <laughs> okay, you can make a level for your project, but no strippers in the level. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that because that was a lot of uh, specifically with the nineties and specifically with Duke, Duke Nukem. Yeah. That game is just nineties raunch to the next level of just all the worst parts of humanity, but also that's so cool. That teacher, like uh, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like a good, like one of your best teachers or kind of scenarios. Like I, yeah, that's fun. That's really cool because I, I think even for myself, like learning that I could actually make something that's fun to play, um, and I think games are just such an interesting entry point into development. Like to encourage that to write a script to snitch on kids and then yeah. not punish them. <laughs> Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it into a positive experience rather than being punitive. That's, yeah, that's really that was cool. awesome. And I mean, that that computer class was the one class where when class was over, I was disappointed. Wow. So then, you know, right. later on in high school, you're like, OK, what what am I going to do in university? What do I want to be when I grow up kind of thing? And I was just like, well, there's one thing that I, I could do endlessly and never get bored and that's programming and technology so hmm. it just kind of led into a career from there so you kind of knew like early early then that it was something that you were interested in and, and got yeah for sure cool um oh, that's awesome um so what's um like the the best or the worst gaming or experience that you've had with like a game yeah um for me, um, recently, the the best game, um, co-op game my husband and I have played recently was a game called Children of Morta. Okay. And it's this, it's kind of a like pixel art game, but but I, I've honestly never seen pixel art that was this beautiful. And hmm. it it gives you this story about a family that's fighting evil, but... Um, it presents it in a very emotional and rich story. And then it thrusts you into these almost roguelike um, levels where you kind of grind through and you, you have your powers and you level up your character and then you, you defeat the level and you get the unlocks and you come back to the, the base, the, which is the family's home. And then Mm -hmm. it continues the story and then you venture forth again into a new kind of level. And it, the, the way that the storytelling unfolded, I thought was very beautiful. And it was a cooperative game that I could play with my husband. And there were moments where we were like tearing up because the story was so good. Wow. Um, so that, that was a really, really good experience um, recently. And uh, we also like, so the couch co-op mm-hmm. world is, is very frustrating mm. because there's not a lot out there that goes mm-hmm. beyond the Mario parties of the world, mm-hmm. right? There's there's a lot of yeah. casual puzzle type games, but if you if you want like a an RPG or you want something like like in my dream world, I would play Skyrim with local locally with my husband, right? Like I want, (laughs) (laughs) I want a big world. I want to level up my character. I want a story. I want crafting. I want all that fun stuff, but I don't want to do it by myself. Mm -hmm. And so usually when they say, Oh, this game has co-op, usually it means online Mm co-op. And if you want to just like chill on the couch with a partner or a friend, 
and play cooperatively locally, there's usually quite a limit to your okay. options. Hmm. Um, obviously, Borderlands came out um, mm-hmm. a few years ago, and there's been several Borderlands games which are which was yeah. really nice because it was a it was a first person shooter that actually had local co-op which like we we played borderlands to death because it was it's just so rare to have that couch co-op in a a rich triple a shooter game type game yeah. or a or a an rpg so we've been on like a a journey through our marriage of just try, <laughs> trying to find good local co-op games that we can play and yeah recently we played um a game called outward on pc and usually pc games don't have local co-op but mm-hmm. this game lets you play with one person on the keyboard and mouse and one person with a mm-hmm. like um like an xbox controller uh oh, plugged cool. into your computer yeah. so and outward had that like split screen local co-op you can go forth into the world. You don't have to be trapped on the same small section of screen, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it had that rich like crafting and leveling up your character and a good story. So we've, we've played quite a bit of Outward, um, despite the fact that the game has quite a few bugs. But <laughs> like we, we, we were just so happy to have that almost Skyrim type experience, but mm-hmm. in a local a local gaming situation which was really nice so yeah i don't think we talked much about couch co-ops on the show but like yeah you're preaching to the choir right now because mm-hmm. i have scoured the world for good <laughs> couch co-ops games and yeah. for me and my wife and yeah i just feel like i've i've, I've tapped the well dry on that um yeah. uh if i could recommend one that um that has been my one of my favorites so far uh it's got a interesting title it's uh I think it's called Lovers in a Space Time. Mm. Oh yes, I keep reading yeah. about that. And it's it's great. It's um it's uh, up to four players locally. You're just like the screen like centers in on this like spaceship that like you're just and you can see the interior of it basically. You can get different ships and you're just these four up to four crewmates that are just like constantly like running around the ship going to like <laughs> controlling the ship or controlling the engines or controlling the different guns so you have to like constantly be like okay you're on the engines you're on the guns and like <laughs> so you're constantly awesome. doing that and it's like yeah it's just a fun experience like and and the, the graphics are just like stunning it's it's great to look at it the music's amazing so that's been oh, my favorite cool. one but yeah it's just so hard to find like yeah. good couch co-op games i just think they're like underdeveloped at this point because yeah developers usually just go with the the multiplayer route right i don't i don't think game developers uh have like really come to terms with the fact that a lot of married couples Mm. game together like i i I preach to the choir i'm like if you want happiness in your marriage yeah find someone who shares your hobbies whatever that is yeah and (laughs) just like being able to geek out to the same stuff is is such a, a good part of a like a fun marriage and being mm-hmm. friends at the same time as being married. And I don't think they've glommed onto the fact that women also play these like mm-hmm. rich, deep mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. And when you can tap into that, how many married couples are out there right. um, where both partners are into games. And I feel like there's like a missing market there. Yeah, I think you're right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah, that, that sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> you got a pretty good setup there. That's really cool. And yeah, I don't know if you've heard of the love languages, but like quality yeah. time, like just being able to like spend time with someone you care about, like 
<laughs> that's really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, and games can do that. And yeah, I think you're right that there's just... I, I wonder, maybe it's just like a, ma- uh, a math thing where it's like multiplayer potentially gets more people to buy the game than mm. rather. And like, I guess Couch Co-op says there's somebody isn't buying two copies of the game. So yeah. I, it might just be economics, which is crappy. Yeah. Um, I, I suspect that there's also an element where today we we build games to maximize the power of whatever console the game is on. Mm. And as soon as you do split screen, you now have to... Right power that times two which yeah if you're right, if you're already right. maxing out the the console then doubling it is probably harder than any of us understand <laughs> yeah but, I think it's, uh, yeah <laughs> but like we've we've been we've almost tapped out like the games that we're interested in on switch that have a co-op element so mm-hmm. we've we've actually been playing a lot of co-op board games just to kind of fill in the fill in the gaps there yeah <laughs> That's it sounds like video games are your go-to and board games are kind of uh, the last resort thing or, or or do you like kind of a mixture of all types of games or um, we we I think we definitely have a, a good mixture my mm-hmm. husband was definitely more of the board gamer when uh, okay. when mm. I first met him but he kind of like got me to drink the Kool-Aid so <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm much more into board games than I was before so we play a lot of like really long in-depth co-op board games like games like gloomhaven and oh, sword wow. and sorcery yeah. and okay. these like 200 dollars games that come in a hundred pound <laughs> box and like it takes an hour to set it up and then an hour yeah. to put it away we, just, <laughs> we make like a day of it so it's awesome three thousand individually wrapped boxes yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, at, at some point, some of those games, you're like, this is what a computer was invented for. Right? <laughs> and, and honestly, I I have to say that of all the gaming experiences I've had in my life, uh, mm-hmm. cooperative gaming experiences, by leaps and bounds, the best one has been the Pandemic Legacy board games. Mm. Oh, wow. They are like almost by a factor of 10 is that mm-hmm. game better than any other board game we've played together and we've not we've played season one season two and we have season zero like we got it for christmas and we haven't unwrapped (laughs) it yet so Hmm. those uh if you're into co-op board games the pandemic legacy games are top notch how so the only thing i know about those is you have to rip up cards at certain parts and like mark the board they try to give you like that feeling of making meaningful choices and having mm-hmm. meaningful results that don't get erased when you put the box away yeah so they have like little packages that you unwrap they have cards that you put stickers on you put stickers on the board you they have those like if you buy scratch like scratch lottery tickets where you mm-hmm. scratch off the silver paint mm-hmm. yeah they have those things so like you'll unlock a new skill and you'll scratch off the silver paint to see what's underneath and like well, hmm. it's uh the production value is really kind of mind blowing to me. So okay. And do you feel like you've been playing that game more or less since the pandemic started? Like, is there a sense of like, we don't, I don't want to do this. This is this is hitting yeah. too close to home. Or um, we finished season one and two before the pandemic hit, so <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we haven't really played um that game in about a year. So. Mm-hmm. I think we're at the point where we're like, oh, I'm ready to give it another shot. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's fair. I, probably in the heat of it, it yeah. wouldn't uh, landed right. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. Like I've, I've heard the, the 
I don't know, reports saying like the pandemic game has become way more popular since the pandemic. And it, yeah, okay. it's, a weird, <laughs> it's a weird anomaly that people would become more. In, I mean, I guess it's because they want to maybe understand the problem a little bit better, like subconsciously or consciously. Mm. That. Yeah, maybe it's it's like it's at least a, I can even see it in terms of uh, at least trying like um, right. feeling I, I, when the pandemic started, I took vitamins. And I finished, I finished bottles of vitamins, which I have never done in my life. It was just a daily thing that I could control Um, and and maybe win at. So I can see like, I can see that with the game where it's like, it's a hard game. That's the thing though, where I'd wonder, um, I would wonder about, because I've lost that game so many times, which that would be a bummer. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But I think oh, it was the same. Funny. People were watching like a lot of outbreak movies too. Like, um, oh yeah, they're yeah. always trending on Netflix now. Yeah, it's like, right. yeah. <laughs> humans are weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we um, we got Gloomhaven I think two years ago, and there's so much packed into that box that mm. we're still only like two thirds mm. of the way through. So wow. that game uh, came with a lot of value as well. So that's okay and that's what i wonder with board games uh just in like a budgeting thing and a space mm. thing like you, you got kids and kids take up space because they have a lot of stuff so yeah. <laughs> like with uh the board games like do you have to cut back or do you sell them when you're not interested anymore or um you, we we have like an almost a walk-in closet full of games oh, but, wow. uh, <laughs> um the main issue is like finding a spot to play so we usually turn mm. the the dining room table gets turned into the game table and then at the end of the day uh, we pack it all up so yeah okay yeah i i, I haven't played gloomhaven but it, it seems like a project uh-huh. and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i'm cool. i'm kind of i'm kind of spoiled because my husband he loves reading instruction manuals okay and and he loves <laughs> setting up and putting away the game so oh, so okay I, I get to just do the fun playing yeah, it's and a video he does, game. He, does, he does all the work so it's a video yeah, game half, without a loading screen yeah <laughs> yeah half the battle with those things is the yeah the reading the setup the tear down yeah. so if you've got someone to help you with that you're good oh yeah. that's great <laughs> you guys um, you guys got a good system going yeah i know it's perfect <laughs> Um, so what do you have a favorite game of all time? We like to say like desert Island game, assuming all the restraints are are lifted. It's a mystical world where you're on a desert Island. You, Mm. you have internet if you need it, you got Wi-Fi if you need it. So so those are two different answers. My my favorite game of all time was half-life and half-life two. Okay. And those were probably the pinnacle of my skill level on a video game because Mm. I was younger. I had a lot of time for games. (laughs) I, I played like all the expansions that came with extra levels and extra episodes. So I played a ton of half-life and I really loved that game. And I was Mm -hmm. super heartbroken when valve did not continue (laughs) releasing episodes. Like they Uh promised that. Yeah. They promised, but so, so, and it, I liked the, I liked it being a shooter that was not super open. So there was a clear path you were taking mm-hmm. through the game, which was mm-hmm. kind of nice. So it, it kept you experiencing new locations constantly. Right. And I like, I like shooters. Um, so I, I liked Half-Life. I think that was, those were my favorite games of all time, but if I was going to be stranded on a deserted island, mm-hmm. I would have to go for a game that allows more 
variety in how you play it. And I feel like Minecraft has to be it because there's just, there's just a bottomless number of ways that you could play that. Like you could try to beat the ender dragon and get to the end of the game, which I've still never done. Or you could just build cool things or you could, you know, turn the difficulty up or things like that. So I yeah. like uh, I like the virtual Lego that Minecraft is. <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah, if you're stuck on a desert island, yeah, obviously you want something that's not gonna you're not gonna get bored with because you're yeah. there for a very long time. So that's good. Yeah. Um, have you tried um, Half Life Alex yet? Do you have? I I don't have a VR system. Okay. It was the worst experience when I was just randomly browsing on Steam mm-hmm. and I saw. Half-Life Alex and I I like <laughs> I screamed. Oh. I was like, oh, there's a new Half-Life game. Oh, and no. as soon as I clicked in, I I was like looking at screenshots. I was like, this looks awesome. And then it wasn't until I scrolled down that it was like VR only. Yeah. And I was like, what? It <laughs> me in the heart. So no, I haven't played. <laughs> uh, if the pandemic wasn't raging, I'd invite you to try it because yeah. as soon as the pandemic hit and I saw that, I'm like, "Oh, a uh, new Half Life game," and I'm stuck at home. Uh, yes, uh, I'll go. I'll go in for that. Um, it was. It's an experience. It's. It's. I mean, the, yeah, they made a decision to go VR only, which is very <sighs> controversial. But I mean, they did a good job. It's the definitely the best VR game I've ever played. Um, awesome. Well worth money but yeah um, i'm wondering if someone will like release a mod that makes it playable i think so yeah at some point because you know fans are gonna want to play it regardless and uh spoiler non-spoiler there is an uh they they do allude to a new half-life game at the end so there may be hope for more so okay awesome yeah i still have this weird like unfinished business feeling where like the the story never concluded. So mm. I have this dangling cliffhanger that's just been around in my life forever. <laughs> yeah. I one, wish you could play this game now, but <laughs> one day I will play Half-Life and I will uh, <laughs> understand. Yeah. Did you ever did you play all the the Half-Life ha- half Half-Life or whatever they're called? Half-Life part like the little mini Half-Life after Half-Life 2, <laughs> whatever um, they were calling them. Episode Stories? there was an episode yeah, one episodes, and episode yeah. two, I, th- I think. Right. Yeah, I played those. And the there were expansions for the original Half-Life. There was Blue Shift and right. something else, and I played all those. I even started building levels with the the level editor oh, right. for the yeah. original Half-Life. That was fun. Mm. Mm. I never got. In, were, were those like satisfying additions to the game, or did it just feel like they were recycling kind no, of the same it, old thing? Um, it was good. I I think the the Blue Shift and the other one were fan made creations that got turned mm. into like official expansions. Right. It was it was kind of fun to see like Blue Shift followed the story of the the Barney NPCs, the, the security guard guys. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we've touched on some of the games types that you like. So it sounds like you like shooters. You like uh, some strategy games. Um, is is there anything co-op. that call couch co-ops? Yes. Um, RPGs that... are probably my main genre. Okay. Do you like, um, yeah, like what, so what, 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 what's the thing that you like most about games? Like, is there something, a certain aspect about games that kind of really hooks you and brings you back? Yeah. Um, for me, it's the, it's the opportunity to experience something I've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, in Skyrim, I got to hunt down dragons and, (laughs) you know, that was like, it was just so awesome to 
to live a life I've never lived before. So mm-hmm. I try to look for games that are very different than my normal life. So um, I like those those bizarre locations and interesting stories that lead me through an experience that's just kind of unique. And it it almost feels like I mean, this is going to sound corny, but it almost feels like being able to live a double, triple, quadruple life mm-hmm. to say, hey, I've I've been a dragon slayer in another life. Right. I mean, it's dorky to say that, but but no. I that's what it what it brings to to my life is the ability to experience like the long dark. I experience what it's like to be stranded in a snowy mm-hmm. wilderness and mm-hmm. I'm never going to hunt wolves in a slowy, snowy wilderness, but, <laughs> you know, you can do it in games, which is pretty awesome. Mm hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely get that experience of like, yeah, I get to, it's not an actual rep representation of like mm-hmm. certain aspects of life, but you kind of get a sense of it. Right. Like I, I think I've yeah. talked previously on the show about um, my experience playing like the old, like call of duty games or is one where it's like takes place yeah. in world war two and it's not an accurate like life-like depiction of it, but you kind of get a sense of like what it was like to storm the beaches in Normandy or something. You kind of, yeah. I, I don't know, yeah. I felt sort of like a, a reverence of like, okay, this is kind of what it felt like, right? And so like, I don't know, you just kind of get that yeah. sense from games sometimes, so. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah. Games as a tool for empathy uh, is mm-hmm. like, yeah, mm-hmm. a core core thing I like about games as well. Yeah. <laughs> My husband played a game recently called um, Detroit Become Human, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was really moved by the story in that game. And hmm. um, he really liked that. It had the the element of just, experiencing um a life and a story that was very unique and very different mm. and it, it really touched him he he got a lot of playtime out of that he went he went back and made like different choices to see what would happen so, oh wow that's cool. okay that's cool uh, i got a copy of that that's been collecting dust i gotta i gotta <laughs> take it out and try is it, it out is it like similar to westworld i just finished westworld it seems like there's a lot of overlap, but I guess you, I know there's a there's choose. a future setting like you're you're like a, an android of sorts and you're like investigating yeah. crimes and things like that. But I don't know if it's exactly Westworld kind of setting. I think you have different different people you can play. Like one is like an android cop who is like experiencing mm-hmm. kind of discrimination, and then I think there's like a revolutionary who's an android fighting for rights and stuff. And there's yeah, maybe yeah. some other ones too, but yeah, it it, it always seemed interesting. But yeah. yeah. Um. So I think we touched on it a little bit, um, just briefly mentioned at the start of the show that, you know, you, ha- um, you have a, your own company that helps make video games. Um, and that's kind of when we met at first, I remember you telling stories about it and I was really like riveted by all the different experiences you had with that. So um, can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Um, tell us yeah, about sure. some experiences you've had. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a programmer and a gamer, it was just kind of natural to like smush those two loves together and be like, Hey, I can write code. That is a game and kind of combine the two things that I enjoy. So I, I created a couple small games. I created a little Android game just to, to see what it was like. But Mm -hmm. the main game I built was a, um, a text-based browser game called Roboid where you, it's a tick based game. So you'll, You'll take an action and then a period of time has to pass before you can take that action again. So it's meant to be played very casually. So you, you log in, you play for five minutes and then you come back, you know, three hours later and you can do that, that action again. And you slowly like level up your robot and 
There's a bunch of mini games. So there's like a hacking mini game and a scavenging mini game where it's like Minesweeper. So you're trying to scavenge the ruins to find um, usable crafting materials. So there's like a like a Minesweeper a- aspect to that. And the graphics are terrible because I'm not an artist. <laughs> That's okay. And and I tried to write a bit of a like political story where there were some there was there's a big corporation that's controlling all the robot combat sports and then there's <laughs> like a revolutionary guy who wants to like turn things on its head and you have to pick a side so are you team corporate or are you team revolutionaries and there's you know some you have to like tag propaganda up for your side or the other side and try to like claim territories and and so I tried to add all these little kind of mini mini games into the bigger game Mm. and it's a multiplayer game so people kind of pit their robots against other people's robots and it it was fun to build it Mm -hmm. but it's it's very retro and these these kind of like persistent browser games are very like 1990s (laughs) but um it was fun because it was just kind of a an exercise in programming a game and Mm -hmm and getting something out there. And over the few years that it's been up, I've had maybe a couple thousand players, but oh, wow. um, I, it, it was kind of a, a lesson in mm-hmm. that. I don't want to do game dev yeah, <laughs> because <fair>. um, <laughs> on, on the one hand, if you build a multiplayer game, there's yeah. a lot of like babysitting that goes into mm-hmm. that. You have to make sure players are being nice to each other and yeah. you have to go on and kind of seed the forums and get people talking. Mm-hmm. I created a couple um, accounts that I would start having mm-hmm. conversations with myself just to try to get people to wow. like join into the conversation. <laughs> and I, I heavily promoted it and, and I was like online all the time for a mm-hmm. while. And that was probably where the, the like max number of concurrent players kind of hit its peak. And then, um, it's it's a free game, and there's mm-hmm. a an ability to pay money to get some cosmetic benefits. Mm. Um, but I tried to stay very far away from any kind of pay to win, mm-hmm. so there's mm-hmm. nothing like that, and there's no ads or anything on the game. Mm. So I tried to make it like, hey, if you like this game, give me a couple bucks, yeah, and I'll give you some like in-game cosmetic benefits. And I tried to make it like you know, just drop me a few bucks if you appreciate it kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I've never made enough to cover the hosting and the domain. So yeah. um, it kind of fell by the wayside in favor of projects that actually pay me. <laughs> yeah. um, and to a certain extent, if you're like drinking your own Kool-Aid, so you're playing your own game, right. everybody gets sick of a game after a period of time. And then yeah after being online on my own game, like every day for like a year, I was like, God, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sick of my own game. So mm. um, it was never really meant to be something that someone would play for a, a year con- <laughs> con- constantly. So I burnt out on it and I, it, I wasn't seeing any much return. And because it's so retro, it never really got many players. So it was kind of like, this is fun and I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and, cool. and, and, big problem with the game development industry is Mm -hmm. it is very attractive to anyone who likes games and knows a little bit of 
coding or programming. Mm -hmm. And so there are just thousands upon thousands of people publishing pretty awesome games. Mm -hmm. And most of those go completely unrecognized. Mm -hmm. And a few will like hit it lucky and, and get, you know, make some money and, you know, get a, a, a good recognition. But the way, especially mobile gaming goes is nobody wants to pay for it. No. So even if you, if it's two bucks on the Google play store, people will be so mad, even though they've played it for like 30 hours and they'll be like, Oh, I've, I put 30 hours into, I can't believe this game costs two bucks. And it's like, really? So, <laughs> um, the the market for games has really pushed the ability to make money has pushed it way down so unless you okay. fill it with ads and have a ton of players or if you have like a pay to win element or you hit it really really big you're you're really just doing a labor of love so mm. you know create a game if you want if it's your hobby and you do it in your free time but um, it's really hard to make a like a career of it or to really okay. see much return. And um, so for me, I I have a lot of hobbies already and I I do a lot of development um, professionally and mm -hmm. programming is also my hobby. So I'm already kind of like full of that kind of activities. So um, I really haven't done too much with it since. Mm. But, you know, it. I don't know. My my advice usually to people is do it if it's going to be a hobby and you're okay with never making a dime mm -hmm. and do it if it's fun for you. Um, but it's it's really hard to, to make a go of it. And I also found a little bit as a as a woman, there's a bit of a like a target on my back. If I mm -hmm. publish games, there can sometimes be bullying towards female game developers. Sure. So <laughs> I was always kind of nervous about revealing my identity even on mm. roboid i i had a very gender neutral username mm -hmm. and i tried to like just kind of downplay who i was and yeah. so there was an an element of nervousness to to get too deep into game dev also for that reason right yeah um, I mean, yeah the world's the world's a nightmare but <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, is there uh, is is your game still being hosted can people still take a look oh yeah roboid.com is still online awesome don't that... judge the graphics <laughs> it's <laughs> it's mostly yeah. a, a text game and it's yeah. very mobile friendly so i designed it to to work well on phones that is that's cool uh, yeah. it's interesting like have you heard of blazeball at all no uh it's it, it's not very similar to Roboid, but it's mm -hmm. it's more like a simulation. It's about like it blew up. Uh, we probably should have talked about <laughs> it, uh, but it's 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 like a fake baseball league with like ridiculous oh, awesome. team names, and it's like very um, community driven, like in terms of the story and plot, and mm -hmm. it's all just like simulated baseball stats. There's not awesome. there's not a ton of, <laughs> uh, but definitely check it out. Uh, it's but it blew up, I think, because of the pandemic. Like it, it launched oh, at the start wow. of the pandemic and stuff. But I don't know. Oh, there are some elements uh, of when you're talking about uh, Roboid that that sounded kind of similar. So I, I yeah. it, it might might check it out. It might be interesting. But no, that's so, that's, that's cool. cool. Some of the, the biggest games in this um, persistent browser-based text game are Torn is, I think, probably the biggest one. It's like a 
It's like a gangster simulation. You're in a city right. and you're trying to like be the biggest gangster. So I Torn, I think, is the biggest one and one that I was I was into a lot before I built Roboid. So I kind of modeled Roboid after it was a game called Bootlegger, where you mm -hmm. are you're basically someone who's bootlegging and trying to like make a bunch of money and climb the ranks. And it's the same idea where you you click an action and then a period of time passes and then you can click it again. And hmm. um, so Torn and Bootlegger, I think, are the biggest in that 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 particular genre. Right. Yeah, yeah I do remember playing a lot of. I don't know if it's along the same lines as Roboid, but I, I know it's like text-based adventures. I think they were commonly referred to as MUDs. Mud. Yeah. 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 A lot of MUDs when like the internet was still in its prime. I remember this like yeah. weird Star Wars multiplayer MUD when I was yeah. <laughs> first yeah. perusing the internet. Um, yeah, those are Yeah, I played a bunch now. of those too. I even, I even like went back into one a couple years ago. There was one called, I think, Ardwolf or something like that. And Okay. I got back into that briefly and I was like, oh yeah, these are super addicting. I'm going to stop playing this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I can definitely relate to, uh, you know, having the itch of like, oh, I know programming. I love games. Mm -hmm. I can just marry mm -hmm. these two. It's, and, and you have like that, that spark of like, okay, I did this one mechanic and it's fun and I'm almost there. It's like almost a game. And yeah, but, yeah, yeah. just getting it to fruition, getting like oh. get out to market. And I, I remember working at, um, uh, Bread Piston, a complete previous that we worked at. Um, and, you know, the game that we'd worked on for so long and we were charging like 99 cents for it. And I was asking friends to help out with it. And they were like, ah, I don't know. Like, I'm like, just, you know, don't buy like, a quarter of a cup of coffee for it <laughs> and help us out for like, you know, that, that would help so much. But yeah, it's just so hard to nickel a dime with yeah. anybody on, on the mobile space. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of ideas around that and it might be the free to free stores that have hurt a lot of indie developers in this way um or the people who are just cool with ads but it's yeah it's it's been it's been rough uh yeah i i feel your pain in terms of uh looking Even at game. like the, the long dark <laughs> the fact that i paid nine dollars for the long dark and i've played <laughs> like 200 something hours i oh, almost dude. feel like i need to like call up hinterland and be like listen i owe you guys more money because i've gotten so much fun out of this game I, like i always compare like entertainment value for how much a movie ticket costs yeah I, right. I i love movies right yeah. so if it's ten dollars to see a two-hour movie yeah then five dollars per hour yeah is like a good value for entertainment and that that's game, a good discussion games <laughs> just blow that out of the water like yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I wonder if more places or even indie developers opened up like just like, hey, if you liked it, I know if you paid for it already, yeah. that's cool. If you also want to, if you found it even more fun, here is my, uh, here's my uh, Bitcoin or yeah. my PayPal link. <laughs> like, right. That's I, why I, they always make like the soundtrack is available. Right. Oh, yeah, the like yeah, yeah, yeah. art artwork and the the yeah, swag shop want. and all that <laughs> hey, what you want. but yeah i don't that's the kind of like i don't know with the pandemic and stuff i'm like rethinking you know just capitalism uh so i'm like <laughs> what other systems can we have uh if it's like mm -hmm. a more just everyone kind of helps everyone out but that's that's my on my utopia that's not gonna exist <laughs> yeah well, I, i've noticed an interesting trend like with the 
roguelike especially like how you know the game developers because it's a roguelike and like you could keep going right so mm -hmm. that they, they develop a certain amount of it and then when you reach a certain other level they're like still in development sorry <laughs> so it, it gives you a taste but then it, it, it lets them verify like okay there's a there's a need like there's a market for this and they can keep developing without yeah. people like needing the full game to experience it right yeah. so i think it feels like roguelikes lend themselves to that developmental process a little bit more yeah. which i think you're seeing a lot more of them now but yeah it's I don't know. And, you know, meanwhile, you know, I fork over $80 for cyberpunk and I'm playing <laughs> for like an hour and I'm like, I'm bored already. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. my husband did that with the new Red Dead game. Whoa. He, he <laughs> paid not... full price for it. And he right. I think he played for like two days and then he was like, oh, this is just too much emotional investment. For me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, again, for me, it was, like, more of the, like, misery of, like, oh, I got to go out and, like, hunt things in the wilderness <laughs> and the deep snow. I'm, I need something happy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, I think we've hit all of our, um, what, okay, so, um, is there anything that you dislike about games or gamers, gaming culture, things like that? Um, I, mm -hmm. I came across in... I forget what game it was. I think it was for Outward. There's a there was a big modding community around Outward. Mm -hmm. And there was this mentality of like how dare you install a mod that makes the game easier for you in some way. And there was this <laughs> this attitude mm -hmm. like that it's okay to use mods as long as it doesn't make it easier or or something uh, like that. And okay. and I I really push back against that idea that there's only one way to play and enjoy a game yeah and i feel like there should first of all there should always be an easy mode because mm. there's going to be people who whether it's for a disability reason or for mm. a uh, just time constraints mm. people who don't want to die and do it over again and then right. die and do it over again yeah and so i think anytime you can give gamers multiple ways to experience and enjoy a game whether it's through official modes in the game whether there's an easy mode or whatever mm -hmm. or through mod like the modding community i think you know everybody's experience is unique and mm -hmm. if i'm playing a way that i enjoy that's not taking away from someone else playing it the way they enjoy it yeah so i i feel like Whenever a, I really like when a game gives you multiple difficulty levels, I almost always play on whatever the normal difficulty is. Mm -hmm. But now, especially with my kids getting into games, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are angry that Nintendo has added characters to their games that are easier. So, for mm -hmm. example, some of the super the new Super Mario games, you can play mm -hmm. as Nabbit, and Nabbit never dies when he hits an mm -hmm. enemy. He only <laughs> dies if he falls in a hole. Okay. And every a lot of people were super mad about that. But my four-year-old can pick up a controller and he can play Nabbit and right. he just jumps over the crevices and he smashes into enemies, but he's still having fun and playing with us and he's only four. So mm -hmm. I feel like that's one thing that drives me crazy when there's um, either an attitude or a, a barrier to letting people play the way they want to play. Mm -hmm. And... My other big pet peeve is when a game restricts how often you can save the game. Mm. Oh, okay. So like, 
for example, you have to get to the end of the chapter and then you can save or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And whatever, yeah. that's fine if you're, you know, a teen or you're in your 20s and you have whatever amount of time. But if I have to drop a game on a dime because my kid is screaming or because it's mm-hmm, dinner yeah. time or because maybe I only had half an hour to play, I want to be able to save wherever I am and come <laughs> back and not be like, haha, we put you back at the beginning of the chapter because you saved in the middle and now you have to replay 25 minutes of game all over again mm-hmm. that you already played. Like, come on, you know, like, and that, <laughs> that goes back to the re- the resident evil games where you, you had to find a, a typewriter tape Ugh, the worst, and you, yeah. you could only save the number of times for how many of these typewriter tapes you had. And only if you found a typewriter and you had a tape, then you could save. And I'm like, come on, what? don't punish me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Quab, yeah. have you never played a Resident Evil game? No, that's insane. Why would anyone do? I, I, I have played. I think I played like the first one on PlayStation, whichever number that was, where yeah. there's a cop, and it was just super, super hard. And we were in my <laughs> friend's brother's room because he had the PlayStation, so we did not spend a lot of time in there because mm-hmm. we didn't want like him to be mad at us. But well, uh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I sort of understand it in the Resident Evil sense because they try to limit all resources so that you can't, like, you can only have what you've attained, right? So it's like yeah. you find like six clips of ammo and yeah. you want to like ration it so that, yeah. you know, you can't. But I just but, remember and it just, it's the whole, I, I hate the whole process of that, how it's like so yeah. constricting about all your resources and everything. I don't know. I mean, yeah. if, if they don't want to let me. <clears throat> load a previous save because i missed mm-hmm. a shot and mm-hmm. so i'm going to load a previous save and try the shot again if they want to prevent that that's fine but just like let me right. save and and like let me escape when i want to <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, no. i think oh, no. yeah and i think that's an interesting balance too is like there's a whole spectrum of uh, not saving anything at all and mm-hmm. uh then the where it feels natural where you don't even know it's in the background or if it's something yeah. you can control or yeah mm-hmm. Or if you can't like rewind time and just keep. <laughs> yeah. One thing that kept tripping me up in Subnautica was there was no auto save, mm. so you you have to manually save. Yeah. Okay. And if you're like in the zone yeah. and you're really excited, like really interested, or you're in a really scary spot, so like yeah. the ad- the adrenaline is pumping, so you f- you forget to save. And there was a, f- a couple times where like forty minutes or something had gone by. And then I died or there was like a clipping bug. So my character oh, clipped no. through the floor and I had to reload. And I was like, oh, it was 45 minutes ago. <laughs> like, oh. It's, I mean, now I'm going to, it's not even devil's advocate, but it was like, uh, Sean, when you're talking about like uh, during Normandy, like, uh, or playing, uh, yeah, like Medal of Honor or whatever. Um, yeah. And it feeling like war, it's like. I don't know. I just watched like Cobra Kai, like all of Cobra Kai. So I might be in this mood of like, yeah. It that was, show was, is so good. Yeah, it's a very good show. But uh, like, and, and even what we were talking about, like olden games, like I, I don't I don't like anyone saying no um, like restriction on like, this is how this game should be played. That's stupid. Yeah. Uh, but hmm. there is, it is interesting, the challenge of it or the the simulation of it where yeah. I, I don't know, like there was a sci-fi series called Caprica where there was a game within the show that was called New Cap City where you only had one life. It was like a VR um, world. And like mm-hmm. if you you bought the game and if you got in there and you died, that was it. 
So like, oh, like no. consequences, <laughs> uh, which I, I, again, I don't know if I would ever play one of those, but I also kind of. Like that was it forever? Yeah, that was it. You oh, I think we were like DNA encoded when oh you God. sign in or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I, I do remember experiences like I, um, I've played games where they have a, a hardcore mode. And that's mm. where if you die, like it's like usually RPG games and it's like mm-hmm. if you die, that's it. You can't use that character anymore. Right. Yeah. And some friends <laughs> would just only play games if it only like they wouldn't play games unless it had a hardcore mode because yeah. there was like that element of like your heart pumps yeah. 20 times faster <laughs> when you're playing a game. But again, like it's it's too much pressure. Like and, yeah. and, and, re- <laughs> and real life gets in the way. Like yeah. I can't have a play a hardcore mode game and I have to go, you know, someone yeah. could be in an emergency situation. I remember one experience we had, we were playing it and I knew my character was going to die and I couldn't like <laughs> escape out of it. But I knew there was this hack of like, if the game disconnected, oh. it would save you. So I just made a mad dash. I ripped the power out of the wall <laughs> and I could have, you know, like destroyed my computer, like slammed my head into a, wall or something but i was like more concerned about saving this character and it's like <laughs> weird like the the situation that games can put you in sometimes when those oh, those constraints awesome. you know get set up but yeah i yeah, know a lot teenager. of people really like that the it should be a choice, the though, fact right? that your your right. decisions you're stuck with your decisions so if you mm. die you're dead and i yeah. i i get that like it it makes it feel more real but mm-hmm. at the same time in real life, my deci- I'm stuck with my decisions. Yeah, yeah. So in <laughs> right. in my leisure time, I don't I don't want that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, fair. It's fair. I think uh, the choice should be there. But then I'm also like uh, uh, a developer who's going to develop all these different things. I, I I I liked what you said about the mods, where if it's people in the community uh, making it for themselves, that's so cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I I don't even begrudge a, a, a studio. Yeah. Uh, for making an easy mode uh, i understand mm-hmm. it's it's everything yeah. is hard and there's not enough time in yeah. the day <laughs> and like for me like a game like subnautica now that i've i've beat it on the normal mode mm-hmm. i might want to disable some of the survival elements so that oh, i can just yeah. explore and have fun and build a giant base yeah mm-hmm. so that's fun and then when you look at games like diablo mm-hmm. if you've played it enough and you're really good at it you're like okay let's add another level of challenge so then you might play it on a hardcore mode so i mean it's fun to go either way yeah uh, oh no yes no <laughs> um so yeah um i you know i don't know how much time you have left but i just wanted to uh touch base real quick on like um just the the idea of like um gaming um as as a parent and like how, how do you introduce games to your kids and like what that experience has been like so um it, like have you have you restricted certain games with your kids is there like a certain yeah. path you're trying to like lead them on or you trying like I, i'm just really curious about like how you, how you introduce them to games and what their experiences have been yeah um the the switch has been a, a great purchase because yeah. there are so many family-friendly games of course and nintendo is known for family-friendly games and the switch kind of has become a indie games mecca so there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of indie games for the adults to enjoy but we we definitely put a like a parental lock so anything with a a rating of a certain level or higher the kids Mm -hmm. can't can't get into it so and that's only like a couple games. I think we've got Divin- Divinity Original Sin is one of the like blocked games and Diablo is one of the blocked games. Mm-hmm. But 
it, it's mostly family friendly. So we've tried to steer away from um, combat oriented game or like mm. graphic combat games. Mm-hmm. But um, and we also try to steer them towards uh, games that encourage them to cooperate with each other instead of something like Super Smash Bros, where they'd be fighting against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's such a difference in age my youngest is five now and my oldest is almost nine so i don't want the oldest to be like destroying mm-hmm. the younger two in <laughs> in a competitive type game so yeah. having them work together on in something like minecraft or they've been playing uh the trine uh games came out oh, as yeah. a bundle and there was a um legend of zelda age of calamity game that it's kind of fun where you you like you swing your sword and like 30 enemies go flying so it's <laughs> it's kind of fun the kids have been playing that it's a cooperative game and nintendo has a lot of just cute very mild games like kirby and mm-hmm. and things like that so um the switch has been a, a great resource and mm. um i've also found this is kind of funny but i've I've also found some um games on the computer that are that teach you how to touch type so (laughs) my oldest has been playing these typing games where like Mm -hmm. it'll be like a space shooter so you gotta type the word in order to shoot the the alien spaceship that's coming down and he's eight and he he now knows how to type without looking because he played like these games for a couple weeks yeah. So I was like, man, that was a good find. Like I was like, he he thinks he's having fun playing a game, and I'm like, right. he he he, you're learning how to type. <laughs> so there's a a lot of educational games out there that are 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 really nice. But yeah, I mean, the Nintendo was is was kind of the perfect the perfect game for for the kids, the perfect mm. console for the kids. That's cool. Uh, at what age are they going to play Duke Nukem? <laughs> oh yeah i don't know i wonder if they'll make another one but uh, it's no. funny because they made it, one not too long ago and it was awful it was just yeah I, I read the reviews i never played it but i read the reviews it's funny because what i what i thought was fun and awesome as a teenager yep. now i'm like uh-uh my kids are never touching uh, yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 90s sucked yeah. <laughs> they did i'm on record as. <laughs> um yeah did yeah so did you like did your parents kind of have a similar relationship like did they were they into games a lot or is that very different Um, than how you (laughs) my parents never touched games um Hmm. a few times my dad would try to play something like super ghouls and ghosts with us Mm-hmm. And you you could like almost see his blood pressure climb as he's playing. <laughs> so um, my parents were never big fans. My my mom occasionally played this game called Hugo's House of Horrors, and it was a it was a typing game. So you would be uh-huh. like you would be like pick up key, put key in door, and you would have Hugo walk around. Like there was a, a there was a graphical element to the game, but mm-hmm. everything you did you had to type what you had to do and my mom knows how to type so when mm. when i was a kid we would sit like side by side at the computer and she mm. would type out the commands and we would kind of figure out that adventure together so it mm. the cool. very few times that my parents played games with with us was very memorable so yeah. i think it's very cool that my husband and i can play games with our our right. kids and 
yeah. and have those shared experiences is really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember spending time with my parents that wasn't maybe just TV or yeah. like <laughs> track or something. Yeah, so, <laughs> like something that was fun and that we did together. I don't know. <laughs> that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think that was well played. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty well played episode. Sherry, is there anything uh, that I don't know if you want to talk about that? It, we've we've come to the end of these, and sometimes it's like, oh, as soon as we stop recording, oh, <laughs> uh, I actually yeah, we're like, oh, those ten things that we should have talked about, we didn't. But um, yeah. since you guys have this podcast, mm-hmm. what have you come across that you would recommend to me as like awesome oh. games that you've you've come across recently? um wow where you become the interviewee yeah. <laughs> well yeah uh, i'll start uh yeah. during the pandemic the board game group that um we used to be well still still going but uh there's a, a few websites even if you just want to try out board games before purchasing them mm-hmm. um so there's i don't know if you've heard of like board game arena or um tabletopia no. okay yeah so i would check those two out and just see because even if it's like one you would want to buy in person. You could at least read the rules, uh, use digital pieces oh, cool. um, and give it a test run. Or you could actually play it with people like and family that are not necessarily close by. Yeah, um, we've we've played with some friends on Tabletop Simulator. OK, and, uh, yeah. usually every summer we have a bunch of my husband's friends from Toronto come down and stay with us for a few days. And it's like a mm. giant D&D board game like extravaganza Whoa. and because of the pandemic, we couldn't do that. So we did um, some board games on Tabletop Simulator and we used, um, what was that program called? It was something for Pathfinder running like D&D hmm. and Pathfinder oh, games. Yeah, not your and, um, So we did 20. that. Uh, Roll20. Uh, F- Fantasy Grounds, I think is what it was called. Oh, okay. And um, uh, my husband's friend ran a, a D&D campaign for us through Fantasy Grounds and oh, that was pretty fun. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I yeah, so I think Tabletopia it's very similar, I think, to um, board game simulator, but like you don't have to download anything; it's all through the web. Oh. Um, so it might be a little cool. bit easier if there's people who aren't as tech savvy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, and I think you have to buy each individual game yeah. in Tabletop Simulator. Like you can just, if you want, you can get a subscription to these services, but there's a lot of free games too. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, that would be my recommendation. <laughs> the only thing that I can think of is what's uh, that damn Disney's emoji blitz game. That <laughs> Quab- Sean, you're Quab- still playing that? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Quab-, Quab told me about it early on in the, the podcast, and I was like, oh, this is silly. Why would I ever play this? And I'm, I'm still playing it to this day. Oh, it's, my God. The, the, the graphics are just, I don't know. They they, they, they hit on so many levels. It's so, it's like just mind candy. It's it's, it's well. It's <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's terrible, it's a, but I can't. It's the stop best playing match it, so. three game. <laughs> it's um, a good time waster, yeah, for sure. It's awesome. I'll I'll give you one more uh, recommendation. Uh, have you ever have you heard of the game The Mind, the card game The Mind? Mm, maybe. Uh, okay, so it's a deck of cards from one to one hundred, um, and I think it's up to four players. And what it is is you shuffle the deck of cards from one to one hundred. Uh, and then the first level is everyone gets one card. Second level, everyone gets two cards all the way up to, depending mm-hmm. on how many players you're playing with, eight to 12 cards each. Uh, and what it is, is once the game starts, uh, nobody can talk. And you just wait until you, you're trying to put the cards all in order as a group, uh, mm-hmm. cooperatively. 
Um, and you just wait as long as you think and then put a card face up. And if somebody has a card that's lower than that, then you lose a life. If not, oh. uh, you, it just keeps going. And it, I've had like the most fun, like just <laughs> like silent laughing, like church giggles trying <laughs> to play this game. And I think it'd be really good with a family. Um, but yeah, that's like one of my favorite games. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Hmm. Cool. Um, all right. Well, well played, Quab. Yeah, well played. Yeah, thanks, Sherry. No one ever asks us questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well played.